Welcome to Meekum Presents On The Move, brought to you by State Farm. It's the show geared toward keeping you up to speed with the latest auto news, event coverage, and expert industry insight. Now, here are your hosts, Matt Avery and John Craman. Hey, and welcome to another On The Move. I'm Matt Avery, and joining me is co-host John Craman, lead TV commentator for Mecham Auctions on NBCSN. John, I am really excited for today's show because in segment two, we are talking with Bo Bachman, president of the famed Galpin Auto Sports in Southern California, and Galpin is known as having the world's largest Ford dealership, and Bo has been a longtime automotive personality involved in all kinds of projects, including a lot of TV shows. So we'll hear from him the latest of what he is up to. And then in segment three, we are going to be having a Tulsa recap. Meekum Auctions just held our debut event there. So we'll have all of the highlights. Now, before we get there, John, let's talk about the rest of the summer schedule for Meekum Auctions. Well, riding on the strength, Matt, of the uh, Tulsa uh, auction, which it's going to be really a lot of fun to recap that. A lot of news to report on that. Uh, the Orlando Summer Special coming up the end of July. We've got Monterey in August and then Dallas in September. So it's going to be a very big season, summer season for uh, the Mecham auction calendar. And speaking of debuts, John, our good friend Ray Evernham, he had his first SRX race and you were able to tune in, catch the coverage. What'd you think of it? I thought it was fantastic. You know, hats off to Ray Evernham, Tony Stewart, his partner. They really did a great job. It was on NBC from seven until nine o'clock on Saturday. By the way, they're going to run five more events. Uh, the, it's called the Superstar Racing Experience, SRX for short. And local hot shoe, Doug Kobe, got the big win there at uh, Stanford Speedway uh, out there in Connecticut. He was sort of the local track ringer and uh, you know some other big names there in the race, 12 vehicles. Uh, and what's what was especially cool is, is the cars are purpose special built cars that look generically like a pony car, but really are a custom made car with one thing in mind. And that is to have the cars as equal and balanced as properly as, as much as possible so that it strictly is based on driver skill. And I guess I'm really not surprised, Matt, to see that the local favorite on that asphalt, uh, slightly banked half mile track did take the win. Greg Biffle got second and Tony Stewart himself got third. Racing action was close, it was tight, and uh, they're off to, off to a really big success. And while we're giving a nod to that, let's give a shout-out to our very own NBC crew that is now taking over the second half of the NASCAR season. That is tradition, where Fox gets the first half and NBC gets the second half. They kick off their coverage this weekend in Nashville, and we'll be tuning into that as well. Well, you, you lucky dog, you have had a chance to spend some wheel time behind a vehicle that you and I have talked about quite a bit, the 2021 uh, Ford Bronco Sport. Uh, first of all, begin by giving us an outline of exactly how is it equipped and what did it sticker for? Yeah, so the tester I had was the 2021 model year, and it was the Badlands 4x4, John, which is one of the upper trims, and it's the most okay. off-road focused version that they have. So the tester I had did come equipped with the 2-liter e boost with the eight-speed automatic that's delivering 245 horsepower 275 pound-feet of torque and John I gotta say you know I really didn't know what to expect uh, with this vehicle I, I kind of went in with low expectations I really came away impressed it's a spunky little SUV with a lot of personality and it really does fit well into the Ford's new Bronco family 
Well, and let's make it clear for everybody that uh, this is the Bronco Sport that has been out for a little while now. We've had a couple across the Mecham auction block. I've seen some out on the road. Uh, I'm curious, how well equipped was the one that you drove, and what was the sticker price on it? Sticker came out to just over $36,000, so it did have some of the additional options, but still relatively affordable for the segment, and it really did bring a lot of content uh, to the package. And I'll start with the driving because that's perhaps what's most important. John, I got to say that EcoBoost is a zippy little motor. It doesn't seem like it should, but it's got more than enough pep for getting around town. I didn't really get a chance to put it through its paces off road. Uh, certainly we'll look forward to doing that down the road. However, like I said, around town driving, it really does have a little bit of zing and I liked it a lot. Now talking about some of the other content, John, okay. what I like is that Ford has kind of given this uh, vehicle some personality. And I think that that really is just it adds some charm so what I mean by that is they have taken a page from some of the uh, Stellantis uh, playbook incorporating Mm. some Easter eggs because Bronco is one of those nameplates that has so much heritage so they've got some little hidden horses and there's even a little lasso icon I again that doesn't really necessarily change the driving experience but I think it does speak to the audience of people that kind of want that personality with their car and I will say too that it, it Like you mentioned, it's been on sale for a while now, but even as I was out driving around, it still turned heads, and, and I still had people coming up to me uh, when I would park and get out asking questions about it, so it definitely is intriguing, and I think Ford does have a winner on their hands with this one. What you think of the interior layout, particularly the dashboard, and overall ride quality? Dash is really good, lots of storage. What I really liked about the interior, John, is the there's no carpeting. You have the uh, carpeted floor mats, but inside it's actually kind of a durable rubber plastic. And I just found that that, hmm. that really is what those buyers, you know, that speaks to how this vehicle is intended. It's meant to go off-road. It's not something you're worried about getting dirty. Uh, so I really like that. Um, ride is good as well. Very, very comfortable around town. No harshness. Uh, I did play around a little bit with some of the off-road modes. Again, wasn't really in ideal settings to use them, but it certainly seems capable. And while we're talking about interiors, John, one of my other favorite features that I found is that it has a lift-up tailgate, but it also has the glass that can pop up. Oh yeah, I really like that. I wish more manufacturers would include that because it's just one of those features that, you know, it's so handy if you're coming up and you just want to put in a bag of groceries or something, as opposed to having to lift the whole tailgate, you can just pop the glass. I really like that. Did you, were you able to drive it enough to get an idea of what kind of fuel economy to expect. I did. I, I logged several hundred miles and I will oh, say good. the only downside that I saw uh, with it is that the mileage wasn't as high as I was hoping for. It was in the low 20s. Average was right at 22 miles to the gallon. Now that is mixed both um, higher higher highway speeds and also some around town stuff. I really kind of thought that this segment should be up higher, but uh, that is close to what the EPA rates it at. So, so no surprise there. And again, with the uh, the particular one that I had had the four wheel drive standard. So I know that's adding some weight and definitely sucking off some of those miles. Well, the particular version that you have, the Badlands version, looks like it's going to be quite popular. There's actually a base that starts around $29,000. The next step up is the Big Band at a little over $30,000. Your Badlands, mid-30s, and also a version called the Outer Banks. And then the first edition, fully loaded, coming off uh, the production lines now at around $40,000 from a value standpoint, uh, particularly compared to maybe some of the other 
um, shall we say, light-duty off-road offerings, maybe like the Jeep uh, Cherokee, not the Grand Cherokee, but the Cherokee. How do you think it kind of fits into that segment pricing and just uh, overall comparison? It has come out of the gate strong, and it needed to because, like you pointed out, some of the players that's going up against have been in the space for a while, but Ford has really done a great job of producing a vehicle that blends personality with a lot of capability. It's got attractive looks, and it's really got an affordable price point. So I think it will continue to be a popular choice with shoppers that want something new and different. And I also think the Bronco Sport is a very welcomed addition to the Bronco family that Ford has created as part of this tiered rollout for the model where they really do have a Bronco for all price points. Those on the lower end can move into the Bronco Sport enjoy that outdoor Bronco personality and culture, and then also provide a stepping stone for them if they want to move up to the full-size Bronco, which we should be seeing here very shortly. Well, and I think the Bronco nameplate, the Bronco Sport nameplate, also has great appeal. Uh, Speaking of nameplates, Ford's made a recent announcement that's getting a lot of news. Uh, The Ford Maverick that you and I have talked about on this podcast before has been announced. That is their new, I guess what we're going to refer to it as a compact pickup. Uh, What's your initial reaction to some of the news starting to come out on that now? I think it's it's interesting, John, that we're seeing a resurgence in this, like you said, this new segment that for a long time really was dismissed as shoppers sought out bigger, badder trucks. And it seems like we might see a new segment of people that don't want that, that want some of these smaller trucks that can still handle and haul, but are more city friendly. And I think Ford really has dialed this one in to speak to the audience. It's got pleasing looks, very unoffensive, um, but it certainly looks like something that I think a lot of younger shoppers, again, who don't want all the maximum capabilities that the bigger trucks offer in Ford's lineup, but still have to haul you know, the occasional uh, yard project or band equipment or whatever. So, and then on top of that, also, this one is way different from a lot of its forebears with its mileage. I mean, the fact that it's it's claimed that you can get a version that gets 40 miles to the gallon in city use, 33 highway, I think that's going to be attractive to a lot of shoppers. Well, here's where they're getting those numbers, Matt. This is, the base is actually a hybrid. It's got a combination of a 2.5 liter normal aspirated four with an electric motor combining for 191 horsepower. It's only front wheel drive and it's got the continuously variable automatic transmission called the cvt they do also make an optional 250 horsepower two liter turbo with a conventional eight-speed automatic transmission very similar by the way to the bronco sport engine that you had a chance to experience so they've made this available in a couple of different flavors and three distinct new body style or or new trim levels. Uh, The XL, which has got a base price just a little over $21,000. Mid-level XLT, which I think will be the most popular, starting around $24,000. And then top of the line, just like it's been in the past with Ford, the Lariat at around $27,000. Bottom line, we've got a brand new truck coming out. Probably be seeing it in the 2022 model year. It's an uh, all-new segment for Ford. It's a a light-duty uh, unibody construction, not a, a frame on body like the other trucks, like the Ranger and the F-Series. 
Um, what do you think some of the competition is going to be out there for this truck? Right now on the marketplace, there's really no one in this space. However, we do know that a competitor is coming from Hyundai in the form of their Santa Cruz. And I really do think, John, that with the popularity and the potential for growth, that other automakers will have their own competitor, which really tells me that this compact truck segment is really going to be heating up. Mecham Auctions is proud to bring you On the Move with Matt Avery and John Craman. For more on the world of collector cars, head over to Mecham.com. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, Matt, we've got a very special guest talking to us from the San Fernando Valley out in Southern California. It is Bo Bachman. He's the president of Galpin Motors. They're the number one Ford dealership for 29 years in a row. And Bo and I had a chance to meet back in 2014 at the Peterson Museum out in Los Angeles when we were both there sitting on a panel celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Ford Mustang. So going to be a lot of fun to hear what's happening uh, with Bo and the dealerships out there. Bo, thanks for coming on with Matt and I today. Well, well, thanks for having me. That was a good time uh, celebrating the Mustang back then. Absolutely. So let's take us back to day one. Let's uh, hear a little about about Galpin history. I remember as a kid growing up in the Valley, Granada Hills, in the 60s and 70s, I saw Galpin Ford license plate frames all over the place. Take us back to the beginning. (laughs) Well, we're trying to keep it that way now. Well, actually, Galpin (laughs) started in San Fernando in 1946. Actually, Frank Galpin used to work for Ford Motor Company. He got the franchise uh, out there, a little tiny showroom. And uh, my dad walked in in 1953. Wow. He uh, actually got got drafted while he was in school. He was going to enlist, but kind of by a strange... Uh, a twist of fate, he got drafted, dropped out to sell cars to make money for his family, and ended up, he was mistakenly drafted, so he stayed in the car business, which was kind of disappointing for his mom at the time, who thought her, you know, her bright son was going to be a doctor, a lawyer, and now he's a, a car salesman, but uh, I think he did okay with it. Uh, he, he actually... Uh, uh, Really gave a great example um, as a uh, you know as a great human being as a salesperson as a manager and then as the the, the owner of, of the dealership because he sincerely cares about people he cared about every customer that walked in the door all the employees that he worked with he was really there to serve his customers and to help him so he built this loyalty uh, where people were comfortable going to him and sending in their their friends and family and and that's how he built his business and then ultimately that's how he built the galpin business it was really by our reputation and and word of mouth and and doing the right things so that, that's kind of how we grew. <laughs> now, give us an idea, Bo. How did you get involved with the family business? Oh, I was born. And, see, and uh, that's kind of how it worked out. No, no, seriousness. Uh, uh, you know, my dad was, and mom, you know, they, they worked together very closely. And mom was a, is a wonderful leader at Galpin as well. Uh, you know, it was just something I uh, enjoyed growing up in life. I, I loved Galpin and going there. You know, when I was a little kid, I didn't you know, know too much about cars themselves, and, and we were very strict about we drive what we sell. You know, this was a very big point. So we could only drive Fords, and we could only, you know, we could only look at Fords, basically. You know, <laughs> you, know you, couldn't, you couldn't even look at other cars, you know, back then. We were you know, very loyal. We still, you know, uh, very much so are. Uh, but, um, yeah, I grew up... Uh, 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 on that, uh, on that, on that showroom floor. And it's just something I, I always had an interest in. And when I went to school, um, I went to, to USC and I, you know, studied to study to get into the, into the car business. And I was probably one of the few people that, you know, went to college to be a car salesman, but, <laughs> <the> car salesperson. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I, I, I'm very lucky. I, 
not only enjoy the business and people and, you know, we have that same servant attitude today that we always did, but I'm, I'm lucky cause I love cars too. I don't know if that, maybe that's a bad thing in my business when you, when you love your own product and you sometimes, you know, you, know, you, you get, uh, uh, you get caught up in it, but I'm, I feel like the luckiest kid in the world sometimes. So get to get to get to enjoy what my passion is and, you know, be a part of, be, make my work, my, my love as well. Now, one of the other fascinating aspects of the Galpin story is the long heritage with custom and performance vehicles. Bo, give us an idea of, of how did those efforts get started and then how have you grown those to today? Well, it's really fun and such a blessing for us that we have this history to build on because it's not like a few years ago, oh, we started to customize cars or add performance. It's really been part of our DNA since day one. And uh, in fact, the first picture of Galpin, there's a classic Model T and the latest, you know, Ford convertible with, you know, accessories in the background. I mean, that's literally how we started. So um, the first custom that we built was in 1952, and uh, we entered it in the Motorama uh, that year. It actually was uh, uh, sitting uh, pretty close to the Barris Brothers, uh, Hirohata Merck, oh, yeah. uh, back then. And so uh, we, uh, we were pretty early in the custom car scene. We were actually on the cover of Motor Trend. Uh, in 1953 with that car, with the headline has customizing, uh, has a customizing art come of age. So that's how we started our customizing idea was, you know, what people always ask you what the next year's model is going to look like. Cause back then cars actually changed how they looked, you know, every couple of years. So that was kind of Frank's idea was to show kind of latest and greatest. And it was really cool. Lincoln and parts, Mercury parts, uh, custom body work, just a, a beautiful, uh, beautiful piece. So that's how we got into customizing cars. And that's the first time that we have found where a new car dealership customized a new car to sell uh, that way uh, to that extent. So uh, that's kind of fun. And then with, with racing, we've been involved um, in racing really since the fifties, the but in, in the sixties got really strong. Our, uh, our service manager was also our driver, Ron Hornaday. And of course his son went on for great success uh, NASCAR as well. But we were actually the West Coast NASCAR champions uh, for four years in a row, from 1961 to 1964. And then we moved to our current location in 66, and we got out of racing, but we kept the performance and we kept the galvanizing. So um, that's kind of what we what we built on. So when we built performance packages back in the day, uh, it was based on our experience in NASCAR. And, you know, it was kind of funny. It's a joke, you know, uh, you know, when you went back in the, you know, back in the San Fernando days, uh, when you brought in your, your car for service at Galp, you, you literally had a NASCAR team that worked on your car. <laughs> a little different today, but, uh, you know, kind of a fun history to build on. So take us from the days of being a Ford dealership up to today. What are your current product lines and anything new coming up? Uh, well, we've just uh, added a, a few, as a matter of fact, uh, which has really been exciting for us. Uh, we opened up Land Rover, and, and that complete, completes like a, a 20-year journey of trying to get Land Rover, and uh, that that competed <laughs> okay. all completed all the uh, the previous uh, Ford brands. So we have uh, Jaguar, Land Rover, Aston Martin, and Lotus as our as our British brands. Uh, we just took on uh, Porsche. Oh. Uh, about a year ago, and, and that has been unbelievably exciting. And we built uh, up in Santa Clarita. It's got a little Porsche museum underneath where we have uh, customers' cars that we display. It's some really amazing memorabilia and, and, uh, and a display down there. We're trying to emulate the Porsche museum a little bit down there. So that's been fun. Uh, a Volkswagen. 
we have a, a, a Honda store that does very well. We're the second largest Honda dealer in the, I believe the world for, for many years, wow. okay. uh, uh, top Mazda dealer, uh, in the United States. And then we have Volvo, uh, uh, Ford naturally. And the other one that we added is Volvo's premium brand, uh, which is Polestar. Yeah. So they're all electric, uh, uh, premium. Uh, so that we're launching as well. So we've got, uh, uh, we got quite a few, <laughs> but and now we got a Bronco coming, which is really exciting. Which is like having its own brand. Well, let's talk about your thoughts on the interest, the pent up demand uh, for a contemporary Bronco, just about ready to hit the showrooms, I think. And what your thoughts are, what what your uh, loose backlog is, and how well you think this is going to kind of run into the future with all the excitement about this new Bronco. Well, it's a good time to be a Ford dealer. What can I tell you? <laughs> well it, this Bronco, uh, this Bronco, in my I'm 50 years old. In my lifetime, I've never seen demand for a product like this. Right. Um, you, you know, I, I remember when the I remember when the Shelby you know came out in 07, the excitement around there. I remember the Explorer when it came out, the excitement. I remember the 80, 85 Taurus. Uh, back then in the way, but, uh, but nothing, nothing like, uh, nothing like the Bronco. It, it is absolutely beyond a sensation. Literally everybody uh, I know wants a Bronco. Like even in my own house, they want Broncos. I talk to my friends, they want Broncos. Everybody, and it's a wonderful thing. So the only, you know, the only downside of that is some people are going to have to be a little bit patient. <laughs> I mean, if they could make them all right now, they would, but uh, you know, we're, kind of backlog for the next, uh, you know, year or two, which isn't a bad, you know, place to be on. So we're just going to be begging forward for inventory every day is our job. But it is, you know, they just did it right. I'm on Ford's product committee. So we've okay. been, and I've been advising Ford on their future product for over 15 years now. And literally since I think I first got there, we've been talking about a new Bronco and, and nagging Ford. So when they, when they did it, they really, you know, and that's what I love about Ford. When they do something, they really, when they go for it, they go all in. And that's what they did here on the Bronco all in. They're basically, you know, like I said, creating a new franchise around the, 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 the Bronco, uh, the accessories that are going to be available, you know, right at launch, you know, with the aftermarket, you know, is going to follow uh, right behind it. And then the Bronco sport as expanding the family. I mean, it's a real little Bronco. So we've got, uh, we've got something really special here. So um, I couldn't be more excited. I don't think I've ever been this excited about a product either. So I don't know. If, I don't know what that says, but I'm, I'm beyond geeked out. <laughs> I can't, I can't wait to get my Bronco, you know, talking about, you know, I want one too, you know, I, so, yeah, I raised my hand. <laughs> <laughs> You're in a really unique position because so many different vehicles pass through you and your team's hands, running the gamut from the off-road stuff that you mentioned, like the Bronco, to the latest electric offerings, to performance and classic and new. You guys see it all. So from your perspective, when you look out into the future, the next couple of months, what are some of the trends that you expect to see either increase or decrease when it comes to driving? Well, what we're seeing is people are loving to get outdoors. You know, we've been cooped up. We've been told we can't go anywhere. We haven't gone places we wanted to go. We haven't seen people we want to see. And I think there's this just yearn to be out in nature. So off-road is really what we're seeing completely take off. And you know, I'm sure you've seen RV sales and, you know, anything having to do with the outdoors is just really taking off. And I, I can certainly understand why. And I feel the same way. I'm ready to 
get out and go on a, a, a little trip myself and just get out and enjoy, uh, enjoy the great outdoors. So that's, that's probably the biggest trend that we're seeing along with uh, electric vehicles, obviously that's, and particularly here in, in our market, Los Angeles, uh, that's becoming a big shift. Uh, but you know, that, that shifts more of a, you know, like a, like a cultural kind of shift, you know, EV is a big shift, but like off road is like what everybody's yearning for. And that's, that's what's hot right now. That's what people are passionate, you know, really passionate about. And the EV side, that's, what's getting really exciting now is we're getting really awesome, passionate project EVs as well. I mean, you got that Porsche Taycan. That's like driving a spaceship, uh, the new Ford Mach-E. That's been a smash hit. That thing's, you know, amazing as well. So instead of like having these EV, as we call them, compliance vehicles, now we're getting some really exciting, uh, some exciting product that's a blast to drive, you know? So, uh, so good things. <laughs> Bo, it's, it's really apparent to Matt and I that you have not only a passion and knowledge of automobiles, but of the automobile business. And that, I think, goes hand in hand. But give us some of the reasons why uh, Galpin is the number one Ford dealership in the world. Well, it really started with, uh, with my dad, my parents, and their servant's attitude on, on how we take care of customers. You know, my dad's the most honest person I've ever known in my life. And uh, probably selling cars in 1950, that was a bit of an oxymoron. And, uh, you know, he, he, but he built his business on being honest, uh, on being sincere and sincerely caring for people and, and working really hard. You know, he's, a, he's a very, uh, my parents are both very hardworking individuals, but they, most importantly, they really care. Uh, they care about every customer. And I, I include myself on that and all of our, our Galpin employees uh, and our community. Um, so we serve our community, we serve our customers, and we serve our employees. And I think uh, doing things the, the right way, uh, people want to do business with us and, and come back. And, you know, our repeat and referral business is uh, probably uh, unlike any other uh, dealership that I know of because we, you know, we're all about uh, creating loyalty through you know, serving people and doing things the right way. And, you know, you do things honestly in the right way and people want to come back and we try to make it fun. You know, we love our, we love our brands. We love the cars. So we, we don't want to just be a transactional place, you know, where people serve, uh, uh, you know, serve their, service their cars for a long time too, but we have Galpin auto sports and other things and our restaurants at Galpin. We try to make it an experience when people come there, uh, full service Starbucks. So it's not just, shopping for a car it could be a whole experience so yeah that's that's how we try to be a bit different in what we do and I, it will come as no surprise Bo with as much passion as you exude to listeners that the Galpin group has amassed quite an impressive collection of collector and performance vehicles and vehicles that are tied to the Galpin lineage can you fill us in on some of the highlights well, we were, uh, you know, we've done some really amazing restoration jobs that I'm really, you know, proud of and some barn finds that get, that have been found, like Big Daddy Roth's uh, Orbitron. Uh, his shop truck was actually found after 60 years. We were able, you know, to, uh, uh, to restore that. Um, and then we've got a, a, a couple that, uh, uh, like a Shelby that was sold new at, at Galpin in 19, uh, came through Galpin in 1965. So, some things like that are fun, but now, like when we opened up our new Land Rover dealership, 
Uh, we actually have some classic Land Rovers in there. And, you know, what's fun is you could, you could walk in. We, so we got a classic Jags. I've got an E-Type when you walk in the door. You walk upstairs and we've got, uh, uh, you know, a couple Defenders and, and uh, early models and they're all for sale. So it's, uh, you know, it's not just there for, uh, uh, it, you know, to, to look at it and, uh, it's, it's, it's there for sale and, and uh, to enjoy. In fact, as we just opened a couple of weeks ago, we already sold our first uh, classic Land Rover. So it's part of our business uh, as well as our passion. Well, Bo, man, thank you so much for giving us a very good introduction to the dynamic of Galpin Motors. We really appreciate all your efforts, your passion, uh, especially in that very competitive Southern California market. And we wish you the best uh, going down into the future as we get through the pandemic era. Well, thank you gentlemen, so much. I wish you both the best as well. And uh, thank you so much. It's been fun talking. Don't adjust that dial. On the Move, we'll be right back. Our program is proudly presented by Meekum Auctions, the world's largest collector car auctions. Now back to Matt and John. As we said earlier, Meekum Auctions is coming off of a very strong and very successful debut auction in Tulsa, Oklahoma, recently held June 11th and 12th, and so many of the consignments crossing the block were looking their absolute best. Thanks to our partners over at 303, the family-owned company out of Chicago has all of the detailers, waxes, and soaps for vehicle owners to keep their rides protected and looking like new. And John, I want to start this Tulsa recap conversation by giving some insight into how does a brand new event like this come about for Mecham Auctions? Yeah, it actually took a couple of years, Matt, to be able to put this auction together. Keep in mind that it's not just a matter of saying, gee, I think this location and this date would work good. There has to be venues available and there's got to be dates available and everything came together for the Tulsa debut. The venue was spectacular. You know, we didn't really know what to expect. You and I had had discussions with some of the local folks there in the Tulsa car community and came to the conclusion that they do love their cars in Tulsa and man did we certainly find out that to be the case what were some of the uh, numbers and the high points including total sales and the sell-through rate you know Matthew the, the original target that was set up by the Meekum consignment department was 600 entries seemed a little bit aggressive for a two-day auction had never been there before ended up with 660 entries crossing the block 539 of those sold that is 80 percent plus sell through which once again has been a pretty consistent number that we've seen as success at Mecham auctions during the past year now what kind of vehicles were on the top 10 list well if we look at the top 10 first of all over two million dollars of the uh 21 million dollars in sales were dedicated to the top 10 uh starting with number one in fact let's just go number one through three because they were all the same type of cars the second generation four gts were white hot there we were three for three uh and 06 four gt brought three hundred and thirty thousand, and 05 and an interesting one matt a 2006 heritage edition brought 280,500, but it wasn't a heritage huh. edition. It was originally tungsten, and it had been repainted to look like the heritage edition. It ended up being really good value. Uh, showing the strength in the Ford market as well, a 57 T-Bird F-Code. That's a 300-horsepower factory supercharged version, 203,500. Resto mods really strong, a 63 split-window coupe with an LS3, 176,000. A Mustang Twister Special, those really cool grabber orange 
uh, fastbacks. This one with the 428, 165,000. A 2018 Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Executive Luxury Cruiser, $159,500. Another Restomod Corvette, 61 with an LS3, 159,500. Um, a 2010 Ferrari California convertible, 143000 And rounding up the top 10, my favorite car at the, the entire auction was a 1970 red AAR Cuda. It brought $132,000. That was actually my pick as a star car before the auction started. So I was really glad to see it made the top 10. Very cool. Now, John, so after being there on site, seeing it all unfold, what are your firsthand thoughts based on the car culture in that Tulsa, Oklahoma area? Well, and that's what we've learned, Matt is is it is as strong as any region in the entire country the big question was after it was over with or actually after the first day was everybody asking are you guys going to be back are you guys going to be back if i had to make a prediction now i would say that Mecham definitely will be back and the great thing about that, John, is that we know that no matter where Mecham Auctions goes and holds events, getting vehicles both to and from the event is a breeze. Thanks to our partners over at Mecham Auto Transport. Yeah, Mecham Auto Transport, powered by McAllister's, is the best way to get that new ride home, Matt. Fully enclosed trailers, specially trained drivers to bring your investment from the auction floor to the garage door. Have used it myself. Mike Baker and his staff were very busy at the auction. You've been listening to Meekham Presents On The Move, brought to you by State Farm. For more information, visit Meekham.com. And join us again next time as we take you inside the world of muscle and collector cars and more.